Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Marjorie Punnett. I'm Elizabeth Reese. This is Best of the Nest, the podcast that's all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. Hey, I've had some sleep, Elizabeth. Can you tell? I am so glad. (laughs) I know. I'm on more coffee this morning, and I'm feeling quite good about it. I've been hitting the coffee hard. That's okay. Just hitting it hard. (laughs) Do you know how weird it is for me to hear you say it say it like that? I know. It's like... I'll just tell you, it's going to be the next 10 years of your life. Yeah, that is how I feel. I feel like I can catch a break for a couple of nights and then I just don't again for like a solid six nights. So so this is the place I'm in, drinking coffee and excited to be chatting with you. And we're sort of like going back in time a little bit because if you do recall, fine listeners, Marjorie and I used to co-host a radio show together on My Talk 1071 in the Twin Cities. Marjorie co-hosted a show with her husband for, I don't know, 45 years before that, right? It was a long running show. It was wildly successful. And we used to talk about celebrity news. I mean, the whole concept of the radio station is, is pop culture, things that are happening. And what I always prided us on doing, and really because the example was set from you and Ian that I think we continued into our show is I was always really proud in about how we would look at like situations that were seemingly sort of silly in celebrity lives, but be able to relate that to the every person and be able to kind of go, oh, wait, this is this is just like a shiny example of something that a lot of us are going through. Well, what Ian and I used to talk about on the morning show was and the way we looked at it and which was all of these things that were happening in celebrities lives were little morality plays for the rest of us. Yeah. So you could take Oh, that divorce over there and look at it and turn it a couple different ways to see what all of these are human experiences. For sure. So how do they filter back down to our lives? Because the fact that these people are celebrities, I'm fairly bored by that in, in one sense. And I don't mean to sound super snotty, but they're just people. They're people. And, it, and in a lot of ways, I'm very sympathetic to they're just people who are trying to make a living. And it gets very complicated when your life is partially how you make a living. Mm-hmm. You and I both live that in a very micro way compared to the Kardashians, but I'm still very sympathetic because it is a trade-off. And the Kardashians is what we're talking about today because they have finished filming the season. They stopped filming on January 8th. The finale is sometime in June. They haven't announced the final date. I was seeing mid to late June would be the end of the show. 14 seasons, 20, no, 20 seasons, 14 years. Only in reality TV does that make sense. But, um, <laughs> but they've been around for a long time and I just, I'm, I'm fascinated. I read an article. It was in Cosmo and very sympathetic author, someone who was truly a fan of the show. And we're going to get to our own feelings about the show, but I wanted to read this because I think, again, as we, we've always done, 
I think there are lessons in this for us and our nests and how, in particular, we raise our girls. So, Elizabeth, read that opening paragraph from the Cosmo article. Okay, this is interesting. It says, in the beginning... Very dramatic. Sort mm-hmm. of like Genesis begins. <laughs> yeah. Um, in the beginning, <laughs> that's it, there was Kim. Kim courting the press and being courted by professional athletes. Kim purchasing luxury items and becoming one herself. Kim being photographed by paparazzi and Playboy and her own phone. Kim smiling serenely at her own sovereignty as she conducted the greatest celebrity experiment to ever air on television. To see... If by chronicling a quest for legitimate fame, a family could actually manifest that fame. Kim with her mother and her sisters by her side, sucking me and much of the TV watching world into years of keeping up with the Kardashians. And and that's it right there. I mean, I love that opening paragraph because it explains, I think, better than anything I've ever read, what the show actually was. It was just about the pursuit. It was the it was the story arc of celebrity. And if you go on and read the rest of that article in Cosmo, and we'll link it up, what was fascinating to me is they never really talked about the real genesis, which no. was the porn tape. No. That's been forgotten. That's been forgotten in so many of these discussions of the Kardashians that this really came about because there was a porn tape that was released. Nobody really, really knows who released it. And Kris Jenner and Kim, I'm assuming, and probably Ryan Seacrest was in the mix, used that and propelled it into the show, used that fame, that instant sort of viral fame. And somehow that turned into, in the beginning, what was sort of a charming show about this family, the Kardashians. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was thinking about it this morning for the first time. I really started thinking about the title, Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Yeah. You know, if you think about it just at the surface, it's like, yes, we're we're following their lives. We're keeping up with what they're doing, sort of in that gossipy sense. You know, have you kept up with your friends? Yeah, but, but there's you, such a different meaning to that, too. Oh, yeah. And that's, I think, that's where when we talk about how the Kardashians have influenced American culture, it's that the rest of us who are watch that show, which I do not – but there's a generation of girls that did are trying themselves to keep up with the Kardashian. And I think that's the danger. And that's a point that is made so beautifully in this piece. A couple of uh, paragraphs down, uh, the writer says, as someone who believes that materialism and emphasis on appearance aren't, like, great, (laughs) I am trying to figure out why I find the Kardashians so admirable. And with the show ending, now seems like the time. And I think that's the fascinating point about this, is that the Kardashians, because they have created this celebrity by also showing their sort of flawed humanity. You feel an attachment to them that you don't necessarily feel with other celebrities. And then I think that almost justifies all of the things that they do that you wouldn't normally be able to justify with people. Right. So like if you had a friend or you had a friend and her sisters and they were obsessed with their bodies and obsessed with physically changing their bodies and obsessed mm. with showing themselves nearly or naked virtually all of the time, um, obsessed with buying the newest, best, most expensive things, giving right. their children $5,000 bags for like a second birthday. Oh. You, all of those things 
it's so easy to go, well, that's just disgusting. Like I would never be friends with that person. That's like so ridiculous. But because they show so much of their humanity and who they are, it's like you can connect with them on the little level, which then almost excuses the big level stuff. It's they are the Kardashians to me are such a conundrum. And (laughs) it is almost like I have to just look away because on the one hand I go, well, yeah, women should be able to wear whatever they want whenever they want to. Right. And they, uh, their bodies are their bodies. And so if yep. they choose to show whatever they want to show, then they show whatever they want to show. But on the and other they get hand, to ch- and they get to change whatever they want to change. And they their get body to change whatever body. they want. Yeah. And yeah. if they want to do plastic surgery and plump a bunch of, you know, put a bunch of fillers in their lips and inject their butts with whatever, I mean, listen, you can do it. You're, you are right. a, uh, your own woman. But then on the other hand, I'm going so much of, their appeal is showing all of that, which ends up objectifying them. And I don't like the idea of women being objectified. And so then I get all confused and then I just basically have to turn it off and look away because I don't know how to feel about it at all. It's like, I feel it's kind of the same way I feel about Reese's peanut butter cups, which is like on the outside, it's like really great, but then I don't feel that great after I've eaten several right. of them, oh. and I I like the idea, but they kind of make me hate myself. I just, life is hard, Elizabeth. That's where I'm at. I'm hard. like rubbing my eyes and drinking more coffee as we're talking. Well, I think that one of the lines in the article was keeping up with the Kardashian. What has it done for us? And the and the the writer was speaking of this culture, and I would flip that to instead of what has keeping up with the Kardashians done for us instead what has keeping up with the Kardashians done to us yes done to what us what has it done to us not for us but what has it done to us and I will confess I really didn't pay much attention to the show at all even when no. I was on the air at my talk we interviewed Kris Jenner once she was lovely other than she was working out the whole time she was on a treadmill so she oh, was I breathing heavily yeah so <laughs> that was fine and she seemed like a nice person but I really didn't ever sit down to watch it. It's one of the shows that I just, I think for the same reason that you articulated so brilliantly, it just confused me. It confuses you. It confused me. So I just didn't even look at it until about six weeks ago when I was so stressed out and I said, I'm going to eat whatever I want. I'm going to drink whatever I want. Well, that included, I'm going to watch whatever I want. And somehow I got sucked into the last season of Keeping Up with the Kardashians and I was watching it and I was, I, I, I was horrified. Would be the, what I think what I, I would say to that. Mostly I was horrified by the excess wealth and waste of money. And they were trying to infuse the show with some social justice pieces. Right. I think to offset the pure narcissism and gluttony of everything else that was going on. And it's a show, I get that, but they're also modeling this behavior of every party's got to be, you know, they were talking about how Kendall, not Kendall, Kylie, show, can, you know, she's a great party thrower. Well, yeah, if you spend $100,000 to throw a party or $200,000, mm-hmm. pretty much all of us are going to be good party throwers. <laughs> like, but what it's, what, what's interesting to me about just that little bit that I watched is I just kept thinking, oh my God, if I had daughters, they would never see the show. 
Right. I would never let them see the show. And I know that I can say that with all confidence and not be a hypocrite because the, the equivalent of that for me when our boys were growing up, Ian and I loved the show Entourage. It was an HBO show about this group of guys that goes to Hollywood to make their way. Full of sex, drugs, excessive lifestyles, fictional. I never watched that whole thing. I got to watch that. I want to yeah. watch that whole show. I loved it. I loved the series, but it was it was not a good thing for 10, 11, 12, 13-year-old boys to be watching. It, it just wasn't right for them. Yeah. And so we would be watching it at night. It was, I think it was on Sunday nights and the boys would sort of creep in. It's like, ah, 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 you got to go. We can't watch this. And this is pre-streaming. So it was very hard for them, I think, in the beginning to find it. They ended up watching it, I think, when they were 17 and 15, I think is when they finally, they stayed over at a friend's house and they binged the whole thing, which was fine, (laughs) which was fine. But I held it off as long as I could. And that's what I keep thinking about. I'm so glad Keeping Up with Kardashians is ending for all of the young mothers out there. And I hope that there's nothing that can quite replace it. I don't know. I think it's just, there just will be somebody else. I don't know. I mean, it, it's such a fascinating conundrum with these women because, and I loved this article in Cosmo that you found because this is what it continues to talk about. Their good deeds aren't simply an offset of wealth, but are achieved the same way their wealth is. If Kim had to pose nude a thousand times to get invited to the White House, and if she had to take a selfie with Trump while she was there in order to free a grandmother who was in prison for a nonviolent offense, it was worth it. Uh, They say the Kardashians have Trojan-horsed social justice work in through beauty and consumerism anyway. They are – and that's what makes it so extra complicated are the – like when you start looking into the the prison reform work that Kim Kardashian has become so passionate about, you go – Oh, well, that's really great. I mean, it is really great what she's doing. But it doesn't – but see, to me, that can't – and I'm only looking at it from sort of a consumer viewpoint of what would I let my children watch? Yeah. That doesn't justify it. Oh, no way. That still – and I – you know, I wonder sometimes if doing that just reveals that they are sort of – I, I agree with you. I think that work, it's non-glamorous work. I mean, this is hard, hard work that she's doing, and I'm glad she's doing it, and I hope that comes from a place of gratitude and a sense of service that she needs to give back, and I'm glad there's some semblance of that. In the season that I was watching, they were trying to help clean up like a, a toxic dump site. Courtney couldn't have looked more bored. It it just was the whole thing was awkward. And the people that they were meeting with were very grateful because they clearly understood and said outright, thank you for using your platform. Yeah. Everybody was clear. And so I that's great. But at the same time, their cultural influence and you're right. Something else is already in its place. There are lots of things like this that are just going to replace it. I just I. I think I sort of mildly obsess over what goes into our kids' minds. I mean, I know my sons would say that I was – I overthought that much of their lives. But I just think we can never minimize the messages and the modeling that come from media all around us. And your job, Elizabeth, not to bring you some stress – I know. I've got so many things. Exponentially harder than mine ever was because – 
Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff really didn't start until my boys were teenagers. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's so bizarre to me. But there's another quote that that author says, and I think you'll, I'd love to hear what you think about this quote. She says, vanity can be a form of self-care. And sometimes you do have to be a little greedy to give, be a little self-centered to be selfless. What? I don't, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, I guess it's, that's like an extreme version of like, fill up your own cup before you fill up somebody else's. I mean, I mean that is such I a profit centered way to look at the world. Yeah. And I, I mean, it sort of is like a, it's like a disgusting exploitation of what we try to do on best of the nest, you know, <laughs> which is like focus on your own family, make your home a really peaceful Right. Wonderful sanctuary, which I guess maybe someone might pervert into that self-centered before you can give to other people. But I would argue that you can do both at the same time. Right. I don't think it's possible to really give truly to other people if you are burning the candle so much at both ends and yes. totally frayed in your own. And, and this is a this is a big message that that Oprah in the in the early days of the show, once she started started focusing, you know, she got a w little bit away from the tabloid talk show model, and she really yeah, like sort of the daddy, got, yeah, yeah, got back to live your best live your best life. She was always about women are self sacrificing. That doesn't do your family any good. Right. You need to take care of yourself first, and then you can take care of others. That on the main, I agree with. I don't know. The Kardashians are so well beyond that 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 I just hate that idea of justifying excessiveness and narcissism because I have to do those first. I have to have so much money before I could even give any away. I have to have everything just so before I can be this. And as I'm saying that, I think about myself. Do I give enough? Do I do, you know, all of that. So, you know, maybe that's the question we just have to ask ourselves is what's the balance of that? Again, back to your brilliant point of the Kardashians just confuse me. They're totally confusing. This is what happens. You talk yourself in circles about these people. It's, I mean, I'm telling you, this is what happens to me. You know, I think as you were saying that, there was a, a few words that started coming to my mind, yeah, which I think can help contextualize um the confusion and maybe make it a little bit more clear, which is Please. just because we can, should we, right. you know, like <laughs> just because we can. I, so yeah. <laughs> this is helping me make sense of this because even though I fundamentally believe that women should be whatever, be able to wear whatever they want, do what they want, be how they want. Right. Right. Does that mean that you should on an individual level? Right. Like collectively, I believe that we should be, that we can, but right. I don't know if when it comes to like your own core and your own fulfillment and joy, if that means that you should. And that's even, you know, I think about that with all sorts of things. Like I like to play this game of like, if you had this much money, how much would you spend on something? Right. Right. So right. I have this philosophy that even if I had unlimited funds, Marjorie, if I had right. like, I mean, really <laughs> top of the line, unlimited funds was just crushing it. I don't think that I would spend, now you're going to, this is going to go way above what you would spend, but I don't think I would spend more than a thousand dollars on a handbag. Right. 
And now let's let's put this into context. The the Kardashians have unlimited money. They spend right. like eighty thousand dollars on a handbag. Okay, Ugh. so I think that I don't. I like to think of myself as a person who would just be. That's like my limit. That's like the and that would be a very luxury. I mean, that would be wonderful. And there are plenty of women walking around Edina with two thousand dollar Louis Vuittons all the time. Yeah. So don't yeah. like don't at me about a thousand dollars because they're don't. <laughs> That's a lot of money, I know, but there are plenty of people spending more than that on a handbag. I thought about that even with the house. Right. I thought even if I had unlimited funds, I don't think I would be able to stomach spending more than two million on a house because I would just think like that's that's the ultimate luxury for me when you get that when you when you continue to get that much more and even I mean two million dollars is a ton of money that's like well, an unbelievable house. You start yeah. to just get to this like sickness. Of gluttony. <laughs> well, and I think that, and I think that's part of it. I mean, you know, it's amazing how much once you start making a certain a certain amount of money, how your perspective changes. I For think sure, because your perspective, my perspective when I made nineteen thousand dollars in TV, is totally different. It's totally different. Yes, and I think so. Going back to the Kardashians, we're not here. I, I, my point. Well, I guess it, it's just so hard. I just keep going back to. What's difficult for me is to think about the young women that grew up for 14 years. If you were 10 when it came on, you watched Keeping Up with the Kardashians from the time you were 10 to you were 24. How does that not change your worldview? Even as something as simple as what does a party, what is a party supposed to look like? Right. What is a bachelorette party supposed to look like? What are your clothes supposed to look like? How much are you supposed to spend on makeup? Are you supposed to wear makeup? All of those messages that get sent through that show to a young girl were more powerful than probably what her parents were modeling for her if she was watching that show. Mm -hmm. And I think that, and I have no data to support that, but I'm just saying it. I think (laughs) that is what gets to me because I think... How are we combating that with messages of social justice, messages of equity, messages of being a good steward of your money? And how are we, when we are saying to young girls, these are the kind of clothes you should wear, or these are the purses you should carry, these are the things you should be working for, I just, I just... I think that is such an insidious thing that has seeped into our culture. The more fundamental concern is, and the thing that you have to have within yourself, and the thing that you have to teach your children, is that you are enough. Yeah. You are enough. And the only way to combat the constant messages, I mean, the Kardashians are one thing, but you know, the world that we live in, the culture that we live in, is an advertising Mecca designed to make you think that if you buy X, Y, and Z, or you look like X, Y, and Z, that you will find happiness and fulfillment. And you are getting those messages, whether if you're doing, if you're getting them on your phone, you're getting them on your TV, you're seeing them on billboards, you're getting them everywhere. The only way to combat that is on an individual level to work on your own feelings of, I am enough. I am enough. And if you feel that way, then all that stuff that all that noise can just bounce off of you. And I think the only way to combat that with your kids is to give them that same feeling. Because I will tell you, I mean, I grew up in the 80s and 
I didn't have the Kardashians, but I certainly had messages constantly of like, well, if you have that pair of jeans, then you'll be really something. That pair of sneakers will really get you somewhere. And that at its core is that that's a lie that consumerism is telling you. You you say that, and that's so interesting to me because I may be, I'm just a generation older than you. Mm -hmm. And I, the only pressure I felt, honestly, Elizabeth, growing up was to get a pair of Wrangler jeans and a rugby shirt. Look at that. And I remember that was a really big darn deal because everybody had a Lacoste rugby shirt. Yes. Oh, I love Lacoste. What a great brand. (laughs) And a pair of Wrangler jeans and then, and then Converse. And I never really liked Converse. So I didn't, I didn't succumb to that one, but that's, and that's like the only pressure I felt. And I think also I was, it was helped by the fact that I went to an all girl Catholic high school where we wore uniforms. So that pressure went away. And I feel like I'm so lucky and may that be so for the next generation. And I think, thank God, out of this mess of confusion, you came to a place of wisdom, which is you are enough. You're enough. Thank you. Thousand dollar handbags, Marjorie. Watch for them. They're everywhere. I'm telling you, <laughs> they're everywhere. All right. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a review at Apple Podcasts. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best of the Nest or go to bestofthenest.com to subscribe to our newsletter. We are the podcast that brings you home. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.